Welcome back to this week's edition of the Rock and Roll Ghost Podcast. This week we have a uh, multi-hyphenate actor, filmmaker, musician, photographer, uh, and apparently, from what I found out from your people, snappy dresser, uh, Adam Goldberg, who's mm-hmm. on uh, the CBS show The Equalizer in its third season, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Awesome. How, yeah. uh, how's, how are things going today in New York, Adam? Things are all right. We are in the throes of a move uh we're moving not far from here but uh and we move quite often so it's not as overwhelming for us as it might be for some uh novices but uh a little a little hectic yeah moving is never fun never fun um but we um for a variety of reasons have done quite a bit of moving around in the last several years so you know we have it down to something like a science awesome well let let me start with uh the equalizer um i I actually just started kind of watching it just so i had a feel for the show uh before talking to you (laughs) yeah um how did how did you first get approached to be on or how did you get involved with the show to begin with um well i got a email i guess phone call whatever you know uh i think it was march 10th 9th, 10th, 11th, uh, 2020, saying you got an offer to play this role, but you'd have to be on a plane in New York in three days. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if you remember March 2020, yes. but yes. Um, so I said, on a plane in New York, are you fucking insane? <laughs> and uh, and then I said, <laughs> no, thank you. Um, I, I think we're about to be... Uh, you know, and and I, I think it you know might be in the in the in the midst of a, a apocalyptic lockdown, and so uh, yeah, so obviously a couple of days later we were, and then several months later, um, you know, uh, the offer resurfaced, and this was you know it's really towards I guess the end of the year, so um, well I guess it called me in summer of that that same year, and um, you know and uh, asked if we'd be willing to do it, and it was a kind of a difficult decision to make because we had sort of speaking of moving had just moved into our new house with two kids in LA and you know I'm going to shut that off so that that's not disturbing um and uh you know it, it 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 was hard to sort of weigh the life decision against you know, uh, you know, whatever sort of creative decisions I would normally make, I guess, about, you know, choosing to do something or not. And I'll never really be able to, to sort of, you know, um, uh, you know, sort of bifurcate that and, and know <laughs> and think of it in totally objective terms, because, you know, by the end of that year, by the middle of that year, everything was so strange and, and there was so little work and what work there was just seemed terrifying. I mean, not not the work itself, but the idea of going to work um and you know this seemed like a sensible thing to do and also we wanted to get the hell out of los angeles we wanted to get the hell out of our houses um and you know and so we moved um outside of the city you know in this where we're living still in this sort of bucolic place and it just kind of felt like you know the right decision you know whether or not it was going to be one of those things that lived for 10 years or not it was almost impossible to conceive and it's always impossible to conceive of 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 those things when you're making a decision like that but um especially given the you know the circumstances uh you know in the world at that point 
Um, so it just seemed like a good, solid, fun gig. You know, I like the idea of, you know, of Queen Latifah playing this, you know, sort of uh, badass role. And, um, you know, and that was it. Yeah. And, and um, you know, presumably it will be on for the rest of my natural life. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because you're playing a hacker on it and you had played one not too long before that. Is there, is there something about you that screams hacker that you? you yeah, know? I mean, one would like to think no. But um, but it's it seems unavoidable that I must uh, you know uh, yeah be be quiet but be quietly latently screaming hacker uh, you know I uh, yeah I know that's it's a funny thing I mean I thought about that but I was like well you know probably eleven people watched Taken it was only on for a year and so you know here's an opportunity to do that role like better or for longer. Um, <laughs> And um, yeah, I, you know, look, I, I, you know, also played a sort of techie guy and, and deja vu. Um, uh, you know, I think that I have a certain facility for, you know, disseminating large swaths of information in, uh, with, with alacrity and probably um, somewhere along the line, people picked up on that. Um, and, um, you know, I also think, you know, when you've been doing something uh, or when you've been acting, you know, for 30 plus years at a certain point, you know, you're bound to repeat yourself. I've also played a bunch of cops, which, you know, might not seem on the, on the surface, like something I would necessarily be doing, but I've played certainly as many detectives and police officers um, as I've played criminals and psychos as I've played hackers. Right. So yeah. I mean, at some point you just, uh, I mean, there's only so many roles. Yeah. Well, you know, they, to jump a little bit backwards, you mentioned 30 plus year career. It, it blows my mind because the first time I saw you, I think it's going to be obvious. I saw you in Days of Confused. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I still distinctly remember, I don't know how I heard about that film because it wasn't really promoted very well. No, it was but, famously mis mishandled in its distribution. Yeah. Yeah. But I saw it in the theater with like maybe two other people. I distinctly <laughs> yeah. remember seeing the movie. Yeah, and um, it's actually it was playing at a theater that's no longer uh, there, but it was it's near where I live now, oddly enough. And uh -huh. I, I, I distinctly remember going going to see the film and just being absolutely blown away by it. Every, I mean, it's it's a cliche at this point. Everybody right. that was in that movie, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, that's a testament. I mean, clearly, it's a testament to Rick. Um, it's a testament to Don Phillips, you know, the sort of famous slash infamous casting director, uh, producer, you know, who had discovered, you know, I mean, I don't know, I, I don't like that word, but, you know, who had... He pulled uh, together the talent. Well, yeah, but he, 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 you know, but he had, you know, he had famously cast Fast Times. Right. And, and so, you know, there was this kind of like, you know, he had, he had a really unique way of approaching um talent and you know approaching casting and it was a very uh you know sort of inviting conversational way i mean you they were general meetings and i i, I had person i've personally in my career thrived in that context and not so much in the you know sit down in that chair there's a light shining on you and sure. you know hi nice to meet you and then you know be a dancing monkey you know <laughs> so yeah yeah, well, it's just funny, you know, it's like, to think about that, you know, it doesn't feel like 30 odd years ago. No, it sure as hell doesn't. Um, 
it's pretty crazy. It's 30, I guess. Someone just told me, and it's weird that I wasn't thinking about it, I guess, but yeah, it's 30 years this this summer it will have been released. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's inconceivable. I mean, I remember going to a, geez, I think it was actually a casting office because it was one of those places where there were, you know, entertainment magazines on the, on the, on the, uh, on the coffee table, you know, when magazines and paper and stuff existed. And um, I was looking through some entertainment weekly or whatever it was. And it was like the 10th, wait, is that possible in the 90s? Yeah, it was the 10th anniversary of the of Fast Times. And they had some sort of reunion photo. And Jesus, look at these people, you know. Um, and I just, you know, I was always obsessed with mortality and with aging and, you know, that kind of thing. And anyway, and I just thought, you know, that'll never be me. You know, I'll never, it'll never be 10 years from now and I'll never age like that. And um I mean, here we are 30 years later, it's fucking unreal. And, you know, yeah. this book now, you know, we did, you know, uh, this, this, they did, you know, this, this oral biography of Dazed and, you know, that was, that was pretty wild, you know, sort of really um, conjured up quite a few, you know, it's, it's this incredibly seminal experience in my life, which I, you know, often liken to the sort of college experience I really didn't have, have having dropped out of college after yeah. a year but even though it was merely four weeks of my life, it was this incredibly concentrated experience. And, uh, you know, I, 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 but, you know, you kind of have your memories and at a certain point, right. You know, you know, your memories are of your memories. And so it, it, it stops, it, they almost, it almost becomes meaningless. I mean, they become like things you have on your mantle, right. They, it, your memories and, and you look at them every so often, but they start to lose their luster. But then, but by talking to this, um, you know, writer for so long, you know, hours and hours of interviews, you know, you start conjuring, you know, new memories and, um, and, you know, really have these kind of Bergman-esque flashbacks of the experience. And, and um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's wild to, to sort of, you know, go back in one's mind to that period when you're, you know, you know, 19, 20, 21, I guess I was, um, and uh, sort of relive it. But um, yeah, there were, you know, and, and, and and I think, you, you know, I mean, and, and I guess all of us are sort of often asked, you know, what, you know, whether we knew it was going to be this incredibly sort of, you know, uh, you know, this cult film or this some, the film of some importance or seminal and all that. And, you know, I always say, well, yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, I think you think that way when you're young anyway about anything. I mean, everything seemed huge. Everything seemed important. Every role seemed like the defining thing. Um, you know, it was long before you re realized that everything was, you know, except for a very select few and, you know, obviously maybe Ben, Matthew, and I don't know, uh, that's about it, are going to have to go back to the drawing board and, and, and sort of, you know, um, um, you know, just go back to the hustle every time you wrap a job or whatever. But, if, you know, even putting that aside, I just think there was something about the pedigree of, of, of the people behind the film of Rick himself, um, probably primarily, and then certainly of the character of, of all these people in the film um, that really did feel like no matter how it was going to be distributed, and again, it was sort of botched in that regard, <clears throat> it was going to have a life, you know, way beyond um, just this kind of first film experience for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I, and, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to spend too much time on days, but I did want to ask, did you, have you guys ever had like a full group reunited, you know, reunite reunion of some sort? 
Yeah, but you know, it's it's I don't it's never been everyone because I've missed two of them. In fact, the first one was I think the <clears throat> the biggest one was you think uh 2000 so so it was was the 10 year. It was 2003 mm -hmm. and and there was a big reunion in Austin and they showed the film and all that and I was directing my second film um like that week or you know, I was bit, you know, it's in Los Angeles. And I thought, well, that's kind of beautiful and ironic and, you know, sort of sad, but at least I'm doing this thing, which, you know, I had, uh, you know, which was, you know, always really important to me and in many ways, dazed, you know, certainly in, informed my, you know, experience as a filmmaker and whatever. And so, um, so I missed that one. There was another one 10 years later. And I, what would that have been? uh 13 2013 right obviously um well, it took me a minute too so i think i was directing my third film i'm like i mean i couldn't go to that so that's when i and 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 so the closest i've ever been to part like or or, or the most reunited it seems like we've ever been has been virtually when we did this reading on uh you know as you know one of these zoom readings that everybody was doing during the pandemic all right and it was for um uh, you know, it was, it was for voting awareness in, in, in Texas. And, um, and, and yeah, that was like the first time I'd seen everybody sort of in one place, save for a couple people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You definitely, and you worked with some, some of the people. Again, oh yeah. So. I mean, well, there was a while where, you know, I mean, we all fancied ourselves these sort of, <clears throat> you know, the Cassavetes characters who, you know, were just going to, you know, continue to make these movies together you know for the rest of our lives and you know I kept kind of trying to sort of initiate this idea of of you know us being this kind of uh you know troop um not that I was the only one or but you know I I and you know not very long after making days made this movie scotch and milk and wrote roles mm -hmm. for um Nikki Cat and for Cole Hauser uh for Rory he wouldn't do it and so um <laughs> I ended up casting Giovanni Ribisi and he and I became collaborators, but Giovanni actually was there for part of the shooting of days. Um, and, um, and so, uh, yeah, there, and, and yeah, I mean, I, 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 every once in a while, I'll sit up, sit back and sort of catalog the amount of times I've worked with, um, people from that film. So funnily, I mean, this might be more of a function of how often Matthew works, but, um, yeah, I've done, I guess, I guess in some three movies with him, a yeah. with Ben, a couple with Rory, um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, and I just thought of this and I, like I said, I didn't want to believe. No, it's fine. I mean, you know, film. I could talk about it forever, you know, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a very rich, you know, subject in some ways. Yeah. Well, Rick has a propensity of revisiting material. He did the before series, he, mm -hmm. uh, boyhood, you know, he took, yeah. Which yeah. is, is still one of the craziest experiments I've ever seen. Now it's the, to me, it's one of the greatest films of all time. And you know, sort of uh, slightly not annoyed, but you know, I'm 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 I, I'm easily triggered. But I I uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I had I had actually I didn't have this idea. My my girl my girlfriend at the time when we were shooting days, um, Clea Lewis. She she years oh. and years later she said to me you know, we should do this thing where we shoot a bunch of footage now and then shoot it 
and then finish the movie, you know, in 30 years when we're old. And um, <laughs> I was like, and so I kind of came up with an idea for it, which I actually still think is quite a good idea for a movie. Um, but I was like, man, I, I just don't know that I'd have the patience to do that. And, you know, yeah. forbid one of us dies or whatever. Um, and, um, but yeah, Rick basically did that. I mean, yeah. that man is Zen as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the thing I was getting at though is, um, has, has Rick ever floated even as a theory or an idea, the idea of revisiting those guys 30 years on? I think that there was always this sort of in the back of everybody's mind, and I'm sure he considered it seriously at some point. I think there was an idea maybe for it being 10 years later, um, maybe 20 years later. Um, but I think, you know, by the time he made, um, um, fuck, I always forget the name of it. He's done a lot of movies. No, but, you know, he did the spiritual sequel to Days, as he called it, you know. Um, the Oh, uh, uh, everyone every, wants some. Everybody wants some. So... So that, that that clearly was his exercising, you know, that particular impulse. And um, uh, and what was weird is I, he invited me to the screening of it, the cast and crew screening. So so this was whatever a few years ago, and you know in LA. And so I go to this cast and crew screening, and of course I was invited to the cast and crew screening of Days. So that's still vivid in my mind, you know, sitting in the you know, the small audience of whoever, you know, not everyone lived in LA, but the people who had lived in LA and walking out and us sort of being like, oh, you know, uh, always think of that scene in Stardust Memories and Woody Allen when they're all at the very end and they're all walking out talking about themselves in the film. And, um, and so here we were doing that and here were these kids, you know, 20 years later having that exact same experience. And it was fucking surreal because, you know, it's always weird to watch a movie when you're looking at the people who are in the movie anyway. And so I was sort of in the back row, like looking at these kids watching themselves. And of course I'm looking at them watching themselves. And then like, there's like another me behind them watching me watching themselves and imagining, you know, you know, and remembering what it was like when I was having the exact same experience and, you know, leave it to Rick to have kind of sort of uh, orchestrated this incredibly meta, um, you know, sort of experience. But um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I soft pitched this idea to Rick, you know, in an email uh, to which I don't believe he ever actually responded in, in <laughs> to that particular part of the thread um, where I had said that I always thought the day's sequel and, you know, the time has come and gone aging wise, but should have been or what should be um, something relating to 9-11 and what yeah. these guys were doing um, either the day before 9-11, on 9-11, or right after 9-11. Um, and it was obviously around the time where we would have been the right age to have done that. It occurred to me just because I thought, well, what's a super unifying experience where you would have these people, you know, sort of connected in some way. And it also seemed very Rick in some sense, this idea of, um, you know, much even like slacker, how, you know, one thing affects another, affects another, affects another. And, right. you know, what, 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 what would you know, what would engage this otherwise very disparate group of people so many years down the line. Um, I still contend that that's a goddamn good idea, but whatever. It's a cool, it is a cool idea. I mean, in the, the, the cliche would be a, a, reu a class reunion. But. Right, exactly. But, 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 but that's not Rick. And so like, I, you know, I sort of channeling Rick, I thought, well, you know, something 
where people were in a, a you know a physically different place but you know emotionally somehow you know tethered um or unified or reunified anyway yeah. Well, um, no, it's cool. It's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a hell of an idea. I know. I should have at least written it as like fan fiction or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> fan, fan fiction, one of those interesting terms that as guys our age, uh, we've had a couple <laughs> yeah, of right. brace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I'm getting back to the equalizer. What if any, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you did uh, research, you know, some kind, but what was your research uh, oh. that was different from, taken to this none none, none. I, I did my research for take it I, I had a friend of mine uh, uh who i've known since i was jesus like six we went to kindergarten together you know whatever we were best friends when we were little kids and he's like a computer genius basically and kind of a badass and i probably did some hacking in his day and and you know we got and 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 so i remember he, he you know he had moved many many years ago from from la but um we got together he was in town we got together and had a lunch and I just was sort of picking his brain before I was like I don't want to like be a complete you know sort of you know novice about this and um you know just sort of uh gave him some I guess outlines of what I was doing in the pilot for take it and so you know I felt I had done due diligence look there are certain things and the other example I could give you would be when I did the show the street uh which was uh you know supposed to be Darren Starr's uh, male answer to Sex in the City, but really it was Darren Starr's uh, canceled after nine episodes on the air, um, <laughs> and um, and so uh, and you know we play these uh, guys and you know these Wall Street guys, and there's just a few things that will never penetrate my uh, you know sort of um, uh, my 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 intellect or my my ability to wrap my my head around you know them and and and. One of those things will probably be like, you know, computer engineering and the other will probably be the stock market. And so, you know, I, I'm much more comfortable, for instance, you know, playing a hitman or something. Um, I, you, you know, for all my intellectual pretense, I, I, I find that to be much more relatable <laughs> than a numbers guy. And, um, and so at some point, and I've said this a couple of times, and I don't even mean it in a cheeky way, Doing roles like this, I find keep me intellectually really nimble, a very specific part of my intellect, which is that I need to understand what these guys are saying. I always need to understand what a character is saying, but um, it's 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 more important in this case because there's nothing intuitive about it um, for me. It's hard to, I can't improvise the way that I would normally naturally do or uh, read a script or read a line or read a, a scene. And if I know what's going on in that scene, I can memorize stuff pretty fast by just understanding what I'm doing. And so in this case, it's in a lot of information. We're shooting an incredibly concentrated period of time and it's constantly you know, overlapping. So you know, the way these shows shoot, sometimes you're shooting two episodes at once and you know, you have all this nomenclature and technology and all of that. And I just think what it does is it keeps me um, sort of neuroplastic in a way which I think otherwise I'd probably be in um, definitely, uh, you know, could be, you know, in fear of, of, of hardening <laughs> at my age, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I, I, hear, I hear you. I hear yeah. you on that. So anyway, yeah. it's, uh, it's, 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 I always find when I do these 
particular days of work where I'm doing eight or nine or 10 and the other day was 11 pages of, um, of you know, really a lot of like, you know, sort of tech and exposition and, and you know, sort of plot dissemination. Uh, I have almost invariably like a migraine the next day. I get migraines, but it's like really um, strangely exhausting in a way that like, I don't know, a more emotional, you know, sort of. Yeah, I get you. I, I have, I have the same trouble like trying to read legalese or oh, trying yeah. to do math. I, yeah. yeah I, everybody's brain is is so different. Oh yeah. Well, what they could, what they can process easily, and what they can't process as easily. Yeah, totally. But you know, it's it's uh, it, it in the early days, particularly with Taken, I was so nervous because there was such an enormous page count. And I just thought there's just no way I'll be able because because it, it's they're, you know they're essentially monologues. I mean you have a script supervisor half the time on the other end of you know sitting there. It's not you know Queen isn't you know this you know I'm talking on a telephone or I'm talking you know there's a green screen and it's not you know you're not often engaging with another human being and so it's these kind of you know sort of strange soliloquies in this dark room. But um, you know, as time has gone on, I, I, I really do think my brain has become a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more uh, malleable. And uh, so in that regard, um, I, I think it's a good, <laughs> it's a good exercise, you know, and it yeah. pays well. Well, that, that's always good too. <laughs> Especially when you have a family. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I mean, that um, is, the, yes. That's everyone always likes to say, oh, like, how do you choose this role? How do you choose that? I was like, I look at my eight-year-old and I think, well, how many more years uh, of savings do I need uh, you know, <laughs> to put in this college fund? That's how I choose <laughs> Well, that, isn't, that, isn't that kind of like a, a, a two, you know, double-edged sword in a way that, like, you, you're an artist. You've made your own films. You're, you do mm-hmm. you make your own music. You know, you're mm-hmm. a photographer. So you're more i'm guessing in your mind you're more of a, a kind of like a traditional artist a lot way in terms of how you process things mm-hmm. but you've also had success of, of a lot of you know a lot of different ways being just an actor yeah so then you have to realize okay well i not that you do things strictly for the money but you do realize that in order to provide you can't ignore what your success actually is right no, I mean, 100%. And I, I, I you know, I, I'm extremely cognizant of that. And I, you know, I consider myself ex- extraordinarily lucky, you know, really, um, that for the most part, um, you know, I've been able to, you know, work consistently for, you know, uh, you know, 30 years. And I, uh, I, I think it's a little, it's always a little, you know, people, I think, you know, are, oftentimes put in situations, whether it's, you know, in interviews or whatever, where they talk about, you know, how it is they've curated their career. And I really think it's like, a, you know, a fraction of the, you know, of the acting population who really has any say in what it is that they do. Right. Um, the things I fought for and fought for hard, for the most part, exist in a kind of sliding doors, parallel universe. Um, and I, did, you know, didn't get those roles or didn't get that movie made or didn't get, you know, uh, that television show I wrote on the air, you know, and um, the rest of the stuff um, came to me, uh, you, you know, chose me. I didn't necessarily choose it. I mean, sometimes you have, you know, it's, I'm not saying I haven't passed on anything, but, um, you know, uh, and certainly when you're younger, you can be a slightly more reckless. And at a certain point, 
<laughs> um, obviously, you, you can't. I mean, you 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 have to be extremely, you know, careful about um, uh, essentially, you know, working. And um, so, yeah. I, I but I mean, I've been saying for, you know, I mean, I I, I think, you know. The, the way I would, I used to put it was, well, you know, acting pays for my, you know, pays for the ability for me to, you know, sort of make a film for, you know, a year and not necessarily make any money and uh, more often than not uh, actually lose money or invest my own money in, in some way or make a record. I mean, there was this very fruitful period for me just, you know, musically where between 2009 and 2015 or something like that, I made uh, four records. I mean, uh, you know, it seems inconceivable now, but it was just, I, it, but, and, 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 you know, certainly I would never have been able to do that had I not, you know, worked on probably a TV series each one of those years, you know, but, um, so yeah, there's this, I mean, there's this balancing act. I mean, at this point, um, uh, you know, obviously the, um, you know what I'm subsidizing at this point is 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 uh you know my my kid's future right yeah. Now. yeah well you you brought up the music and um I I read this and I was surprised because I, I haven't seen the movie in a while but you were in the documentary about the flaming lips a, a lot I believe yeah I was in, I, I, yeah because it was around the time that uh we were yeah, there was, we were working together on kind of a few things. I was in Texas doing, um, I, I was there showing I Love Your Work, my second film at South by Southwest. And Stephen Droz and I had co-composed the music for I Love Your Work. So right. Stephen and Wayne had come to South, you know, to the screening of, of, of that. And then I went out and then they had brought, what actually they had brought their um, uh, Christmas on Mars set from Oklahoma, outside of Austin, where I guess their cinematographer lived. And so anyway, we went there on that same trip to shoot two scenes from Christmas on Mars. I think only one made the cut. One, one of them was with Isaac from Modest Mouse, and I don't think that made the cut, but the one with me and Steven did. And then on that same day, they must've been shooting the documentary so there was an incredible amount of overlap with yeah all of us yeah it's been a while i've got that uh, i've got that dvd in store oh, that documentary it's, is great it's to me um, one of the great documentary a uh, music documentary yeah I, I i i love music doc in fact I, after i'm talking you know talking to somebody that did a uh uh documentary on the chicago rock band uh material issue uh-huh uh, that that i just saw last night and i was like it's only an hour long but it's like even though i'm from i'm from chicago i didn't really know a lot about them and this movie gave yeah, me I don't I, I have to say I've never heard of them they are they were kind of like a modest success mm -hmm. they've had a lot of good uh power pop kind of rock uh -huh. songs yeah and uh they were just they came out just before like Nirvana did so oh, they yeah. kind of, yeah they kind of got swept under the rug a bit right yeah really yeah, good I am like, yeah, I'm a music documentary fiend. So like when I'm, when I'm left to my own devices and, you know, Ro Roxanne, my wife and I aren't trying to figure out what to watch together. It's almost, almost invariable. Well, it's, you know, it's either crime or, or, uh, <laughs> or, or, or music. 
And um, no, but I think that flaming lips one, though it kind of gets lumped in a little bit with the Daniel Johnston one, and you know, and 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 I think there's something slightly dangerous about that because you know Wayne is like all there. I mean, and he's he's in control of the weirdness. Yeah. He's less weird than he's making things weird. Right, right. Um, and um, but but because they're so expansive. Same with the Rocky Erickson one, who, which was actually. Oh, that that's a good one. Do you ever get to see him perform live? Yeah, he played Lollapalooza here in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, one year, and I was sitting there with, uh, next to Jeff Tweedy of Wilka watching. Oh, him. nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing, especially after seeing that movie, it was amazing to see him perform live. I can't can imagine. Yeah. No, I have my, my old, really old friend, producing partner years ago, her, her, I give an ex-boyfriend of hers, uh, Kevin McAllister, you know, made that film. And it, it was one of those things where it was like, it was kind of a joke because he had been making it for so long. So you, you'd sort of be like, I mean, it's not, it's not ever going to like happen, <laughs> but it's, that's why it's so good because, you know, same with the Johnson one, it's like, and same with the Flaming Lips one and anybody, uh, and same with Boyhood, anybody who has the grit, you know, and patience to do those sorts of movies that span several years like that, man, I mean, what an incredible filmmaking experience that ends up, yeah. um, you know, being for the audience. You know? Yeah. I mean, I could sit here and talk about music talks. I mean, the, uh, dig about the Danny Warhols. And yeah, sure. Oh, that was the one. Yeah. I remember we all had tapes of that where, <laughs> where we would pass that one around um, yeah. VHS tapes. And the Wilco one, I've actually, that's a good uh, one. I think it's pretty good. I've seen that a couple of times and you know, it's, I mean, anything that gets just kind of right, right in there, man. Um, you know, and they're really personal. Also, I just like love how music is made. I mean, I can just sit and watch people lay down tracks and mix shit. Yeah. Forever. Oh, well, that's what, that was the thing about that Beatles thing that Peter Jackson did. I, I could have watched I know. three weeks worth of shows. Of course. I know. Because it was just like astounding because you never got to see them record anything no, before. No, it re or I mean, I, I think that film is, I mean, obviously completely revolutionary because what it does is it recontextualizes your entire experience of the Beatles, which is so solidified and 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 all of us, you know, uh, and the consciousness is, you know, of, of, of all of us. So the 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 idea that suddenly you have this context for how they interacted. I mean, I had all of these kind of, and you know, I have the Beatles books, you know, the Beatles recording books, you know, all yeah. that shit, you know, what amps they use, blah, blah. But, but there's not, and, and you have these ideas about how they interacted, but that's so like, like lore, you know? I mean, um, and so to see A, that there was this, to that, you know, to the end, this incredible, there was, that they were at such a great band, I think is, is, is what's, uh, you know, I think to me, kind of the biggest takeaway, but then also obviously all the emotional, psychological, sh- you know, stuff. And, and you sort of see like, you know, you know, the idea that George Harrison, I mean, you know, he was just done clearly. And that yeah. to me, it was like, you know, you want to, I'm, I'm sure it would have fallen apart one way or the other, but like, he's clearly the, the catalyzing force behind that, you know, yeah. and you never hear obviously you hear it in the more sort of you know derogatory sexist and potentially racist iteration of that you know being you know this this 
Yoko woman. But um, yeah. anyway, um, but no, I was just like, yeah, I mean, we all just, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you could have watched the, un, you know, the uncut, uncut version of that and yeah. still been as engaged anyway. Well, I hear he's putting together something that's longer, of course, because it's Peter Jackson. He, like, right, he right, likes right. his long cuts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, I, how could you, I mean, it's a fucking, it's just a, it's a treasure. I mean, it, I mean, I'd love, you know, I would love to see, I would, God, man, I would love to see something on like Revolver and, and Abbey Road, you know, just yeah. two other records where, I mean, I guess Sgt. Pepper too. I've just never been that big a fan of that actual record. Sgt. But... Pepper is kind of like a weird one. Yeah. It's it's because yeah. it's so universally praised that you almost kind of like, you know, you, it's almost like, um, oh, I don't know. You're just being told something's great all the time. Sometimes you're like, eh, maybe yeah, it's not yeah. so great. Also, I guess I just never, to me, it, 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 it's it's dated in a way that those other records aren't and like you know it it just feels almost more like a curiosity and like to you know to me what they were like this to me the psychedelic stuff as far you know like to me it doesn't get any better in in, in a way than revolver and then sort of afterwards when they kind of go back to this more you know sort of you know band oriented thing which really i think sets up all these 70s you know um kind of singer songwriter bands you know yeah. um and that real 70s sound i mean that's what i mean i, I you know i love about abbey road too. anyway whatever well i i personally think magical mystery tour is the yeah yes, psychedelic exactly. album yes absolutely i 100 percent agree with that like that's absolutely yeah that's and, and i just musically like it more it feels less uh tongue-in-cheek and it feels yeah. more um uh, it just i think it holds up much better i agree yeah well i'm gonna I, I got one i got one film i want to talk about then i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you some like uh uh kind of like your just a automatic response when i mentioned yeah. certain people but you were in saving private line which i still remember when i saw that film such a such an insanely visceral film and mm. i it took me years to not hate Jeremy Davies for not shooting for not shooting that guy that that yeah. killed you. No, when we did the press junket for that, um, they paired me with Jeremy, and I guess they knew what they were doing because the the <laughs> the reactions they elicited from every journalist that walked in the room, and this was, you know, probably to this day the most press I've ever done for anything. It was just you know a, a three day thing, twelve hours in the in, in a room, and. Um, uh, people were so mad at him and it was like dude i know the guy's an actor <laughs> i know i know but it was like it was such a visceral response to yeah. like that he, he you your character wouldn't have been dead if he had not been such a a, 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 a fucking coward you know? I know i know i know i know it's 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 like it's 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 one of those incredibly frustrating scenes i guess where you know you, you hope it's gonna it's gonna wind up different you know yeah each time you watch it well, uh, what a what a fight too you, i mean god they uh steven really had you just be a guy that was not gonna go down easy no i mean and you know that there were uh, i feel like it doesn't get talked about that much or maybe it does i don't know but uh you know there were a lot of iterations of that script i mean we were getting pages the way that you get pages on a tv show you know where things are changing dramatically i mean first of all when i got the part it wasn't written there, I didn't know what part I got. Then I went <laughs> in to go read the script after I'd gotten the role, you know, and, you know, at the casting office behind the locked doors or whatever. 
uh, read it and I was this, okay. So I'm like this Jewish soldier wise ass guy. Then I go to boot camp, get out of boot camp, or they sent us a script while we were there, I think violating their rule, which was that, you know, we weren't supposed to refer to each other and as anything other than our character names and not talk about Hollywood or anything. And, um, and suddenly I was a kind of a dopey kind of like dumb guy. And, and, and yet there were still some things left over from being a wise ass. And that was like the first day of shooting. And because we only had two days between the boot camp and shooting. And I said to Steven, I was like, this is, this is left over from this. And I, I, I'm confused. He's a hodgepodge. And, and then Steven calls over. I don't remember who was kind of, I guess, a writer's assistant over and like, and then they sort of re reverted the whole thing back to essentially what it was, which was being a wise ass. And, you know, so for the longest time, I was just shot. I was running, I get shot, that's how I die. And, um, you know, according to, I guess, the lore or to Dale Dye, the, or, you know, the military advisor, Captain Dye, um, he suggested based on boot camp, everyone kind of had their strong suit. I guess I was pretty good with a uh, bayonet. Uh, fixing a bayonet, knife work, whatever. And so he thought I should get into a hand-to-hand -hand combat um, situation. And yeah. um, so that might've been a Captain Dice suggestion, but you know, the visceral nature of it, the gruesomeness of it, certainly was something that Stephen talked to me about for the days preceding the shoot. And um, we both really wanted to make it as horrifying as possible. And yeah. It was apparently so horrifying in the original cut of it that his longtime projectionist back in Los Angeles, I guess, said, you can't put this in the movie or, <laughs> you know, that it was like pornographically, oh, you know, okay. that it was just too much. I don't remember if he thought that of the entire scene, like sort of writ large, or if he meant in the version of the cut at, at, at the time, I remember doing a little bit more than what you end up seeing, um, even more sounds and talking and stuff like that. So maybe that was still in there. I, I don't know. Um, I do know that my mother has never seen it since the premiere and got mad at me as, after the movie. <laughs> as we were fucking leaving, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> like the biggest night of my life. And I was like, don't you ever invite me to a premiere like that again or don't you ever invite me to a movie like where you die like that you know so i was like didn't they yeah like, um my grandma was there you know um <laughs> but she didn't say she was like oh it's great you were great but um <laughs> but so yeah i mean and, and and i remember being sort of surprised because like you know and this was of course during a period where jesus man you know i was just like you're just you're so hungry for something to sort of change the trajectory of your career and all that stuff, you yeah. know? Um, and um, I just read every single review and, you know, certainly there were a lot of reviews that said, you know, well, well, the, you know, the first and the last sequence or, you know, incredibly, you know, sort of revolutionary in, 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 in a sense in the way that war is depicted and, you know, but there's this kind of, um, you know, sort of conventional narrative and the characters are sort of two-dimensional and that sort of thing. Um, um, and I remember being sort of shocked that that scene wasn't mentioned. And I don't know if it's because it's considered a spoilers, you know, or, or, or not. But, but then as years would go on, 
you know, I would, I mean, it was just re referenced more and more and more. And it's funny because, you know, I was on Twitter for a long time until pretty much Elon Musk. Um, uh, and I finally just deleted it yeah. <laughs> a few uh, months ago. And I would always see my name come up uh, when in response, and I always knew what it was. They would say Adam, the, the Adam Goldberg scene, or it would say Adam Goldberg's death. And it would be this question, which seems like the like, extremely popular question on Twitter or film Twitter. I, I don't know why. Everyone asks it as though it had never been asked before. What's the most, you know, har harrowing death scene you've ever seen in a movie? Or what's the most harrowing scene? Ever? And, um, and so I would see that, you know, a lot. And I would talk to people for whom, it, you know, it affected them so deeply, yeah. they would say for years. And it's just, it's interesting because it's not as though I didn't know that that was uh, obviously extremely affecting and, and, and harrowing. Um, but, you know, for me, that was just like, a fucking dream come true like i had the best day ever <laughs> yeah 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 like like it was really hard physically to do the scene um uh, i don't know if you know but they built a prosthetic uh uh chest and legs okay. and so my arms were real but my legs were going like this like someone was controlling some fake legs and i was standing and they built something beneath the floor so i was standing like this yeah. and leaning back like this for, you know whatever eight hours Ugh. and um at least for the plunging part and the chest is obviously fake and whatever um and but it was just like so deeply cathartic so you know I, I, it was cathartic as an actor it was cathartic as someone who really again just has these kind of you know has has always been obsessed with his own mortality and and so i, <laughs> I always say that you know that scene and the, and the dazed fight scene were these kind of, you know, um, at least at the time, they were these kind of bookends, these complementary pieces, um, we, you know, for me. And, 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 and it's funny because, you know, in both situations, you know, well, in one I die and in the other I get the living shit kicked out of me. Um, and it's also somewhat ironic, you know, and sort of back to Twitter, uh, uh, white supremacists largely would like to like to use those two scenes as 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 ammunition uh, in, in terms of like attacking me uh, or attacking my Jewishness. And uh, I was and I would always say you know, I would be like it, it, like they would show me a gif of me getting stabbed. Like I love this scene, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. Like yeah, I go me too. It really put me on the map, dummy um like uh two of the greatest days of my life thanks for reminding me um but 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 there's something about um i don't know there's something about fighting for your life on film um which just always and 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 it, and even when you know they had asked me rick had asked me which role i wanted to play mike or tony in days and confused and i said you know i had this i had this like real chip on my so shoulder you know and and I said, you know, I said, Mike, he's like, yeah, no, I think so too. And I was like, I, I, and it was a smaller role kind of at the time, it, but there was that fight scene that was, was definitely still in that script. And, um, you know, I, I really wanted to, start, I, I like working those things out uh, on film. I mean, I think that's why I became uh, an actor. And then every once in a while you get an opportunity to sort of exercise these demons or, um, you know, have some kind of emotional catharsis um on film and it's really 
it's really crazy feeling, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's obvious it's therapeutic, I guess, you know, um, anyway. No, I, that, that's awesome. Um, I, I no, I, it's a, it's really cool. Cause like I said, it's one of those, it is visceral. It's not like, you know, uh, Kung Fu crap. It's, right, it's, right, right. it's, you know, just two, two regular people thrust into this insane war. Right. You know, and right. one, one of them doesn't want to, you know, both of them don't want to die. Yeah. Both don't want to die. Period. Yeah. I mean, that's at the end of the day, what war is. Yeah. I mean, you know, it becomes something else, obviously. Um, and I'm sure when it's not hand to hand, it can be, you know, it's it's probably much easier to demonize, you know, the enemy ideologically. But, you yeah. know, in that case, it's obviously, like you say, it's two human beings <laughs> yeah. trying not to die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I... One more thing related to Saving yeah. Private Ryan, and I'll close out with some easy ones. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how how well you guys got along, but I've, you've probably heard about Tom Sizemore. Um, what what was your relationship with Tom like? And I mean, I, at, for me, I've interviewed him a couple of times. I know he's had his troubles, but he was always he was always a good guy to me. And I I I am astonished that after today he will, will not be on this earth. Well. Yeah, I mean, that was a tough experience, I think. Um, we were all pretty close. Um, and for a while, you know who was close with him? It was, was, was Jeremy. I, I, I don't remember why they knew each other mm -hmm. uh, or were friends. Um, you know, and Tom was always uh, friendly to me, but I mean, he was really obviously struggling. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, there was sort of no doubt about it. Um, and, you know, and things got a confrontational between almost all, every one of us and him. Really? I mean, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, something pretty minor at boot camp between me and him all the way up to, you know, uh, like a shoving match, I think, you know, I, you know, he was having a hard time. I, you know, he had made some deal with Steven, you know, about being straight and all that, you know, sober. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure I, look, I, I don't know. It was, it was, it, it, it was, it was hard. Yeah. Um, and I, obviously he, you know, uh, I mean, he could be extremely funny too. I mean, yeah, like a lot of laughs. I remember being in a foxhole with him in a scene that was cut out, and I broke my toe. <laughs> um, but where he's telling me the craziest shit, <laughs> like in this foxhole, like before, before each take, totally irrespective of what we were doing, um, just crazy, weird Hollywood shit, and. Um, you know, and so there's a lot of that. And like, he was always on the phone with De Niro, but I I, ha yeah. I I don't know now whether that had something to do. I don't know. I don't well, know. actually, to, it, to, to, it's weird you mentioned it because the last time we talked uh, was a couple of years ago and he mentioned that De Niro was uh, always checking on him 
that offered, and offered to send him to rehab and fly him and take care of it. That must have been what it was. I I, I don't. Yeah, I, it almost felt like it was he was his sponsor or something, but I don't yeah. know that De Niro is in the program or whatever. No, but, I don't know either. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, I feel like I'd know that, and I, I don't think he is. But but yeah, you're, you're you're right. That probably was what was going on. I mean, I, I yeah. Um, it's just it's just sad because I mean he, uh, for the most part, seemed like he was he had had things together. He, his career wasn't what it used to be, but he was working. I mean, he. I just looked at his credits on IMDb, and it's. 265 movies jesus christ yeah i mean yeah yeah no i mean he he yeah he managed to continue to 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 sort of um i guess keep himself um yeah i mean it was he's obviously was really resilient um but um but yeah but you know um and you know he's he's obviously great in that movie i mean it's just that kind of thing where um per personally his personal problems just overshadowed working with him a lot yeah i mean it, it yeah and you know and i think we were all in kind of we were all in the same place but he wasn't and there was that too you know we were all otherwise I mean, I had been working, I mean, everyone was a little bit different. I mean, that was like Vin's first movie, but, you know, essentially we were all, you know, pretty young guys. Well, that's, and that's an insane cast too, especially when it's, you know, led by Tom, you know, Tom Yeah, Hanks. well, and, 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 yeah, and, and, and Hanks was like, you know, it's funny, I, you know, you probably, you can't think of two more different guys than Tom Hanks and Russell Crowe, and yet my experience with them both has been was really similar which was you know that there was a very paternalistic um slash fraternalistic um experience you know with them where there's just constant hanging out and sitting around together and and really um you know there was no kind of red rope <laughs> uh the velvet rope between you know the two of you or whatever and right. um, and that was essential for that experience i think i mean tom hanks caught, was upset the day he met me because i never returned his call because when when we were about to shoot i guess he called everybody to say hi and he left a message on my answering machine, which at the time said, hi, this is Jim Rockford, because I was living in a, a, mobile, <laughs> a mobile home on uh, PCH. And, uh, uh, and he uh, <laughs> left a message, and I didn't call him back, because I guess I just thought, like, I don't know. You don't call Tom Hanks. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? So, or, and he's just, and he's like, what's the matter? You, you can't call somebody back? I was just like, I don't know. And, and I just remember <laughs> that first day where the, all of us were sitting in a room and, and, and it was just, he was just like, you know, you just, you, and he just took, he just made it very clear from the outset that this guy was going to be a team player yeah. and had your back. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, that's very fucking rare and yet i've had that experience you know a couple times and uh it's been very nice you know well i mean i've taken up a lot of your time 
Adam. Yeah, I, no, I, no I, problem. I, it's, uh, it's fun I, talking to you. I really appreciate you you taking the time today to do this. Uh, yeah. I I'd have you on anytime. You right. know, Thanks. if you'd like to talk some more. Right. Uh, but look for Adam on uh, the Equalizer, which is on CBS. It's on like its third season. It's actually a fun show. I'll, I'm not big into network TV, but I like the show, so I'm 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 saying that. Listen, <laughs> I, I don't watch network TV. <laughs> <laughs> It's too many, too many commercials. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I watch it on uh, Paramount Plus, where I don't have any commercials. So oh, there like, you go, there you go. Must be like up on that. Yeah, it must be Paramount like twenty-eight Plus. minutes long. Without it's probably, it's probably, you know, I think all shows, network shows, are like forty-two. Yeah, right. That sounds about right. Yeah, eighteen Damn, minutes. That, that is a lot of wow. That's eighteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's insane. I know. No wonder we can shoot an entire episode in nine days. Now it makes well, sense. Well, see, think about when we were younger. You know, yeah. you couldn't, you, all you could do is turn the channel, maybe, and then you'd miss something else anyway. I know. So you boop, left boop. it on one channel. Boop, boop, boop. You would do that thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Old Adam, guys, but, old guys talking TV. Yeah, yeah. Before there were cell phones and computers. Yes, yes, right. And, yeah, yeah, you had to, had the phone in the kitchen with the, uh, 30 foot cord that you could go to downstairs to the basement. That's with. right. And yeah, we had to do our homework in the dark. Um, well, thank you again, Adam. I, yeah, I had man. a lot of fun talking to you. You were just a great guest. I wish you luck. Good yeah. luck with the move, too. Thank you, man. I appreciate it and fun talking to you. All right. You have a good right. rest of your day. Take care. You too. You too. All right. Bye bye.